word shame, I think of darkness, I think of uh, isolation, I think of being hidden, putting on a mask. Growing up in church, uh, you, my parents were both heavily involved in ministry. My pastor growing up was my godfather, so I knew the standard of what a Christian should look like. And so I lived it out as best as I could, but internally I, I knew I was struggling with a whole lot of things that didn't match that. In my heart, in my mind, the things that I would naturally think of did not always line up with the standard of how a Christian ought to live. And I carried secretly those, those struggles for years. So for years I just walked around as if I was good, but I would go home and know how much of a mess I was, replaying the, the poor choices I made constantly, but then having to go to church every Sunday and be on a platform and be visible, knowing that when I would get home, I would have to still deal with all the mistakes and all the, the turmoil that I was going through. I remember finally, finally mustering up the courage to be able to just tell the people I loved, the people I thought would be there for me, saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And almost immediately feeling rejection, feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. This is scary. Uh, let, me, let me send you here, or you need to go fix this, or you need to go talk to such and such. Well, I had already been doing that myself. And so I just said, you know what? I don't, thanks, I'll just, I'll keep it to myself. And for years, I just carried the, the shame that came as a result of not being able to go to someone and say, yes, here's who I am. When I didn't get love or affirmation in response to vulnerability, it said that you as who you are is not acceptable. So you have to do something to earn the right to be accepted. So clearly what you're saying, Darrell, who you are, the struggles that you face, whether you believe them to be right or wrong, whatever, it's not enough. And so I just kept going, I kept going, I kept going until I just took, it was a moment where I just was looking back over all the years of just going through that cycle. I literally had tangible evidence. I had journals, I had emails, I had so many things that I was just looking over. And I just was saying, God, I can't believe I was doing all of those things. I can't believe how desperate I was. I was, I was completely miserable. I mean, I had never struggled with suicidal things, but I, I could imagine that maybe that night I was probably like, if this doesn't change, then what's the use? It, it, it just, it was seeming just, there was no way out. And I, I was tired. I just remember feeling so tired. And just laying, just laying on my bed, just saying, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of doing I'm just going and going and going and just coming out empty, coming out like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And didn't know how it was gonna turn out. I just said, I'm done. And I felt like I cried myself to sleep. 
and knowing what I know now and to be able to tell someone who's in that position you're in the best place for a miracle I feel like when you get to the end of yourself when you get to that place and God knows when you and God know when when you're really there it's the moment where he's like I've been waiting for this moment this entire time and that's when he just does the miraculous he he does it he he transforms and changes desires he 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 gives you a new name he gives you a new identity and all you had to do was just get to the end and he somehow got orchestrates our lives to get to that point and if we'll allow it if we will if we will allow ourselves to be tired if we will allow ourselves to be done enough so that he can come in and do what he loves to do which is make broken things and, and make something take broken things and make something new out of it I mean you, when you get to the end the end is now the new beginning I feel like he's given me I hate to be literal but he's just given me a song he's given me a new song a new an, an ability to just um, to get to be so lost in in him to be so free because I've always just wanted freedom I've seen him take my freedom song and spark freedom in others and 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 be able to say man if, if God can do that for him he can do it for me. I am not the hopeless case that I thought I was. Yeah. Appreciate uh, Durrell sharing his story. And as you can see and have heard that we're in this uh, series where we're taking up different um, emotional and mental health topics and, um, and dealing with them as we've all been through difficult and, and challenging times. And today we take up the topic of shame. And shame is something that we have probably all felt at different times in our lives. And it's something that maybe a lot of us walked in with, uh, maybe knowingly or unknowingly today. And we can feel shame, we can have shame, and we'll talk about that. But it, it could be because of things that we have done, you know, sins that we have committed. Uh, or we could carry around shame because of something that has been done to us that we didn't have any control over. So what is shame? Well, the Oxford definition is this. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. In other words, shame is a, is a bad feeling we have of embarrassment or, or pain, a feeling of hurt because of something that we've done or something that has happened to us, something that we can carry around this, that, that, is, that is painful and, and hurtful to us. And, you know, the, um, it's interesting, the University of Houston actually has a researcher named Brene Brown, uh, who is probably the top researcher on the topic of shame that there has ever been. And uh, she did a TED Talk that absolutely blew up. It's one of the top five most viewed TED Talks that there are. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people have watched this. And so she's done all of this research on shame. And here, here's her definition that I, think, that I think helps narrow it down a little bit. She says this. Shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. 
a feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and that we are therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So shame, if it goes undealt with, which is what we're going to talk about today, can become a part of our identity, something that we've done in the past or something that has happened to us. This painful feeling can become a part of our identity such that we walk around with it believing that we cannot be loved and we cannot really belong. Like those things can't be true of us. So shame in this definition, again, it becomes a part of our identity. It sort of becomes a part of who we are. And that's where many of us today need the Holy Spirit to do a work. Where we need to separate the things that we've done and, and the things that have happened to us from our true identity in Christ. Many of us feel because of something we've done in the past, whether it's sexual sin or addictions or any, anything else that has happened to us in the past, we, we have let that become a part of our identity or something that has happened to us in the past, some sort of abuse of some sort that we didn't have anything to do with or whatever it may be. We, we have let these things become a part of our identity and then we have then believed that there is something intrinsically wrong with us and therefore we cannot be loved and we cannot belong. What happens when we allow shame become a part of us to that degree, um, we feel the need to hide. We feel the need to cover it up. We feel the need to put a mask on, to act like everything is okay, to act like there's really nothing wrong. That's what shame does to us. And in, in, um, the result of that is that we don't have true community with anybody. We're not fully known. We're not fully loved by anybody if we're constantly trying to cover up because we think that there's something intrinsically wrong or that we are bad. There's a distinction between guilt and shame. Um, and Brene Brown again says, she, she makes the distinction like this. She says, guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. You see, it becomes a part of our identity. Now, Guilt and shame are not always bad things, okay? If you feel guilt for something that you've done, we would say that's good because that's probably conviction from the Holy Spirit. And if you feel guilty for something you've done, what you need to do is take that and, and repent of it, turn from it, and receive forgiveness in Christ. But if we don't deal with this guilt, something that we have done, again, it can become a part of then who we are and our identity and we can walk around with this shame feeling like I am bad, which if you are in Christ is not the way, that is not true of you. If you are in Christ, what is true of you is actually what is true of Jesus. That, that you are um, good, such that the Father now looks at you and he doesn't see your sinful past, but he sees the perfect righteousness, the perfect life of his son. Okay? So you can't walk around, if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, you should not walk around with this feeling of shame, this feeling of I am bad and therefore I cannot be loved and I cannot belong. That is not true of you in Christ. Um, you know, there's this sort of funny phenomenon that's going on and maybe some of you have, have heard of it. Uh, it's called mom shaming. Have you heard of this? Uh, it's this, this phenomenon going on that um, there, there's sort of, uh, there's, 
some judgmental things that go around when it comes to parenting, you know, and um, two-thirds of, of moms have, have confessed to this, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask Emily Claire, because she definitely has, um, where people will see the way that you're parenting, the way that you are being a mother, you know, the decisions that you're making when it comes to discipline or how you're feeding your kid, et cetera, et cetera, and people want to place guilt and shame, they want to shame you for what you're doing and make you feel like you're not a good mom. You know, this is, this is called mom shaming. It's just kind of a silly, but just that's one example of um, something that happens where we can receive something from somebody and it can kind of get in, get in and become a part of our identity where we feel like I am bad. I am not good. Um, I am not lovable. I can't belong. I'm, I'm not a good mom or whatever it is. And we walk around with this shame. Therefore, we build up a wall, we put a mask on uh, to try and not let other people in because there's no way that we could really be loved if they really knew who we were. So this is the problem. All this was a setup for this problem of shame that we feel and that we walk around with. We all deal with it, we've all felt it, or we are feeling it, and we must deal with shame then biblically. And here's what we'll see from our text today, and the point of the sermon is this. We were made to be fully known and fully loved by God and each other, not to live in shame. We were made to be fully known and fully loved by God and each other, not to live in shame. That's the point that, I, that we're going to drive home today and that we're going to see from the biblical texts. And um, not to bury the lead here, but this can only be true if you are in Christ. Okay? This can only happen. You can only be fully known, fully loved by each other and by God if you are in Christ. We can only walk not in shame. We can only walk in freedom if we are in Christ, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to trace the theme of shame through the scriptures. We're going to do sort of a, a miniature biblical theology of shame. And uh, we're not going to plant out in one specific text like we would normally do. But we're going to kind of move through and um, we're, we're going to look through the, the whole storyline of scripture and trace this theme of shame. Feeling like I am bad, like I need to hide, like there's something wrong with me. This idea. You know the story of uh, stained glass in churches from, from before? The churches would put up stained glass and there would be different pictures that would tell a story. You know, so you could look at the different pictures of stained glass and see uh, different, different pictures, different biblical stories of what's going on. And that's how I want to structure today's message. I have four pictures, four stained glass pictures that are going to tell the story of shame in the Bible and then how it is dealt with in Christ, okay? The first picture is this. The first picture is titled Innocent Delight. Innocent Delight. And to start here, we have to go to Genesis 2.25. Genesis 2.25. This is the end of the creation account of the man and the woman, and it's the last verse of chapter 2 before we get to the infamous chapter 3 where the fall happens. And in Genesis 2.25, it says this. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Some other, uh, I like the CSB translation, it says they, they were naked and they felt no shame. They were not ashamed. They felt no shame. Um, remember our definition of shame, a painful feeling that we are flawed and unworthy of love and belonging. So the man and the woman, they did not feel that. They felt no shame before sin entered the world. They were together with each other and with God. Um, they were completely exposed to one another, fully known 
Not only, of course, their bodies, but their emotions, their feelings, their thoughts were completely bore out, out in front, in the open with each other. And yet they felt completely um, loved. They felt like they belonged, right? They felt no shame. It's a beautiful picture here of total acceptance in love by each other and by God. Completely vulnerable, and there was no fear of being shamed. No fear that um, somebody was going to see something wrong in them and point it out and, and make them feel like they needed to hide and put a mask on. There was nothing there. No shame. This is the picture before the fall. You know, the, the man and the woman, they're able to hold their heads up high. They're able to make eye contact with one another with their, with their heads held up knowing that there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing wrong with them. It's a beautiful, perfect picture, the way it was supposed to be. No reason to hide. No reason to cover up. No mask to put on. No past to cover up. Perfectly open. Perfectly, fully known and loved. And the ESV study Bible says that it's a picture of innocent delight. And I love that. Innocent delight. It's innocent. It's fun. It's enjoyable where there's no shame. There's no need to cover anything up. It's okay. You can, we, we can be who we are because there's innocent delight to be had being fully known and fully loved by each other and by God. Total freedom. You know, it reminds me of, um, you know, little kids that, that run around. And I'm thinking of my own, almost two years old. You know, we, we just kind of let him run around, you know, even if he doesn't have clothes on. And it's okay. You know, we all know it's fine. Uh, you know, he's, he's happy. There, there's there's, a, there's a, a sense of innocent delight, right? Now, I'm not saying that children aren't sinful because we're all born sinful, right? Um, but, but there is less corruption in a child. And we all can kind of smile and, and wink at one another. Like, because, they, you know, they, they don't know. They're just running around having fun. It's, it's good. It's a good thing, right? And this is, the, this is a small glimpse of this picture of Adam and Eve before the fall. There's innocent delight. There's fun to be had. There's joy to be had with one another and in perfect fellowship with God. But then we get to picture number two. Picture number two that we would title shame and hiding. We turn the page and we get to Genesis 3-7 where Adam and Eve have um, disobeyed God. They've... Um, eaten the, the fruit that they were told not to partake in. And um, in Genesis, we get to Genesis 3, 7. And it says that then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They, they covered themselves up. And then in verse 8, it says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. They hid themselves. Now, once they've, once they've um, sinned against God, once they've rebelled against him, they've turned their backs on him, now all of a sudden, they've got something to hide. And they're trying to hide themselves from the presence of God. Now they have something to be ashamed of. They feel shame. They disobeyed God and now they're hiding because something is wrong. They feel as if something is intrinsically wrong with them and they have to hide it and they have to cover it up. So this second picture then, the humans having to hide themselves from God and from one another, is a sad picture. And it's the picture that maybe many of us are actually still living in. Feeling like we have to cover ourselves up, emotionally, mentally, of course. We have to put a mask on to act like everything is okay so we don't actually deal with what's really going on. This is the picture of Adam and Eve right here in Genesis 3. They're humiliated. 
They're hiding, they're covering up, they feel small, they can't look each other in the eye anymore, they have their heads down. Um, And I wonder if you've ever felt this way before because of something you've done or something that has happened to you again, you feel like you got to keep your head down, you you can't really look at anybody right in the eye um, because of how bad you've messed up. Maybe you're carrying around something that has happened to you in the past or something that you've done and for years you've been putting a mask on and trying to hide it. Not letting anybody in because it's just easier that way to not deal with what's actually going on, with who we actually are like Darrell was talking about. Um, We're hiding it because it would be too painful to bring it up. So you just keep it hidden, you know. The man and the woman really believed that they could hide from God, that they could hide from the presence of God. And many of you maybe have dealt with this or are dealing with this. You're running away from the presence of God, trying not to deal with what's happened in the past because it would just be easier that way. But the reality is that we can't hide from the presence of God. Um, but what we do is we build a wall. You know, picture, picture building a wall where you can see over, right? You can see what other people are doing, but, but you're, you're hidden. You know, you can kind of see what other people are doing over there, but, but they can't see you, and, and it's just kind of easier that way. You, you'd rather stay behind your own wall, because if people really saw who you were and, and what you've been through or what you've done, then there's no way that they would love you and accept you and welcome you. So you just kind of stay behind your wall and stay hidden, because it's easier that way. And that's the picture. That's the picture of what Adam and Eve are doing here. And that's all of us without Christ. That's all of us. We, we all... Um, you know, uh, Brene Brown in pop psychology uh, isn't going to tell you this, but the Bible is, and so I will, uh, is that you are broken. There is actually something intrinsically wrong with you, and it's called sin. And, and you've inherited it from Adam and Eve in this story right here. All, all of us are, are born sinful, we are born separated from God, and we are born intrinsically broken. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. Um, So we are actually intrinsically bad by nature and we are intrinsically bad outside of Christ. Okay. Um, So picture one, no shame, head held high, innocent delight. Picture two, hiding and shame. Trying to not show anybody or show God what you've really done and and who you really are by nature. This is the picture that we are all living in or have lived in if we are not trusting in Jesus to save. So what do we do? Well, praise the Lord that there's a third picture. And the third picture is Jesus taking shame to the cross. I know a longer title, but we got to, you know, work with me here. Jesus taking shame to the cross. This is picture number three. And and to get there, we need to turn to Luke, um, Chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. And here, Jesus is, uh, by the way, we've skipped over a lot of the Bible there. There's a lot more that we could go into in the Psalms. There's a lot about shame, but, but we, need to, we need to get to Jesus here. In Luke 18, Jesus is um, telling the disciples what is about to happen. And he says, he, t- he takes the 12, verse 31, and says, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and, look at this, shamefully treated and spit upon. Jesus um, says specifically that he is going to be treated shamefully and then he'll be killed. 
So what does it mean then that Jesus was treated shamefully? What does this mean for us today? It means um, that people at this time, it means that people looked at him as if something was wrong with him. People looked at Jesus and it is as if they said, um, you're not good enough. You are dirty. You are ugly. You are weak. You are pitiful. You're insignificant. You are worthless. So if you've ever felt any of those things in your life, um, know that, that Jesus was also treated that way. You know, Hebrews says we, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. He, he knows. So when you... When you um, are receiving these messages, which are messages from the enemy, that you are not good enough, you are not loved, you're not worthy, um, you, you are insignificant, you're weak, you're pitiful. If you um, have heard those messages or are taking in those messages, know that Jesus has also been through this. Though those things were not true of him, he still um, took them on. And the author of Hebrews picks up on this idea, I believe, and says in Hebrews 12, 2, this is that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus took on these messages of shame that people tried to give him, and he says, no, I'm still going to the cross. Jesus was treated shamefully, treated as somebody completely unworthy of love. And the ultimate act of being treated shamefully was crucifixion. Jesus was hung on the cross naked and in public. It, it was um, the quintessential way to shame somebody, to bring shame upon them was the act of crucifixion, which is what Jesus went through. Why did he do it? Well, the text in Hebrews that you just saw says that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. Joy for the joy set before Jesus. What is joyful about what Jesus did? Well, I believe there was joy for Jesus knowing that what he was doing was securing the salvation for God's people. I believe that Jesus had, had read Isaiah 53 and he knew that he was the suffering servant who was going to bear the griefs and carry the sorrows and be smitten by God and afflicted. I think Jesus knew that he was the one that was going to be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And he knew that he was going to carry the punishment that would bring us peace. And I believe that Jesus was joyfully obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, because he knew that by his wounds, we would be healed. And that's what's available for us in Christ today. Healing and forgiveness for whatever it is that makes you feel ashamed. Whether it's something you've brought on yourself or something that has happened to you that you had no control over, there is still forgiveness to be had and healing to be had in Christ. For all of the reasons that you feel unlovable, for all of the reasons that you feel like you cannot belong, for all of the reasons you feel like you need to build up a wall or put on a mask so other people don't really know What's going on for all of those reasons, there is healing and forgiveness to be had in Christ. For all of the reasons that you try and keep your head down and not make eye contact with anybody, there's healing to be had. So remember our pictures. Innocent delight, shame and hiding, Jesus taking shame to the cross. And now, finally, picture number four is innocent delight through Christ. 
So we've come kind of, see what I'm doing here. We've, we've actually come full picture to where now what you and I are able to have in Christ is a new kind of innocent delight. That the same type of idea that was Adam and Eve before the fall is available for you and I today to have this innocent delight, to have a joy in being fully known and fully loved by one another and by God. We can have that through, in and through Christ. It's the final picture. And I, and I get this from Romans 10, specifically verse 11, which is part of what we read today. But verse 11 says this, the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So if you believe in Jesus, one day, one day, you will stand before God in innocent delight, being fully known by him. And it's all because of what Jesus has done. Remember, we are all broken because of sin and we have all inherited that brokenness from Adam and Eve. But through faith in Jesus, we now have the perfection of Jesus credited to our account. So where the, the first Adam um, felt no shame, but rebelled against God and ultimately had to hide himself in shame. The second Adam, Jesus, lived the perfect life and paid for the sins of his people so that they could stand before the Father one day and not be put to shame. Again, on the day of Jesus, I mean, sorry, on the day of judgment, we will be perfectly vulnerable, perfectly exposed before God, fully known. How do you think you'll stand? And if we just could somehow plop you up right, pick you up right now and place you at the great white throne judgment, how do you think you would fare? How would you, how would you feel to, to have your whole life um, exposed before your creator? Can you imagine that? Can you picture what that would be like? How would you stand? If it was just within your own strength, if you thought that you could just muster it up and, and do more good things than you could do bad things, I have very bad news. You can't do it. Um, if it was me, if it was just based solely on, on my life and what I've done and I was standing before God in judgment, um, my reaction, I think all of our reaction, would be just like Adam after he had sinned. We would try and run and we would try and hide and we would say, it was the woman that you gave me, you know? Um, we, we, would try and, we would try and cast blame. We, we, and the reality is we, we would not be able to stand before God on the day of judgment having a righteousness of our own. If, if we were trying to stand um, on our own, we, we, would, we would ultimately, we would be put to shame. Because we have sinned and, and fallen short. But by grace, through faith in Jesus, that is not true of me. And if you have faith in Jesus, that's not true of you either. Because if you have faith in Jesus, when you stand before the Father one day, on the day of judgment, you can stand um, having been justified by grace through faith in Christ. So you would stand not with a righteousness of your own, but a righteousness that comes through Christ. 
You know, I love the words of the hymn, my faith has found a resting, resting place. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That's our only plea on the day of judgment. So if you are in Christ, then, we'll wrap up with this. If you are in Christ, we will be able to hold our heads high on the day of judgment because of what Jesus has done. If you are in Christ, the judgment that you deserve was taken and placed on Jesus on the cross. So now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. But here's the, the jump that we have to make for you and I today. If we know that that's going to be true of us one day, if we will stand before God, perfectly justified by grace through faith in Jesus, that we could be fully known and fully loved by God on the day of judgment, if that is true of us one day, what we get to do now is to live that way now. Does that make sense? So, so if one day, if, we, um, if our lives are going to be completely open before God and we are going to be accepted and welcomed in because of what Jesus has done, we can actually live that way now with one another. We can actually, um, we can actually take our masks off in front of one another. We, we can actually um, confess our sins to one another. We, we can actually um, come out, you know, we can actually break down the walls that we've built up. Knowing that in Christ we are fully loved, fully known, fully accepted. So, so we, can, we can be real with one another because of what Jesus has done. And, and this is the, the type of um, relationships, this is the type of, um, of, of love that we, that we are called to have. So, yes, we can be real, open, honest, vulnerable with God, knowing that we're forgiven. There, there's no reason for shame in our lives anymore. We can be fully known, fully loved by God in Christ. So it affects us horizontally, but then also can affect us vertically, vertically with one another. We can be fully known and fully loved by one another as well. In the same way that we're accepted by God, we can love and accept one another. It doesn't matter what you've done. Now, this is radical, people. Like, I mean, this, this is crazy talk, what I'm saying here. That you could tell me your deepest, darkest, most hurtful, painful secrets that you've never told anybody. And in Christ, I got to be out, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come, welcome. You're loved. You can be fully known here, fully loved here because of what Jesus has done. So don't hide. Don't cover up. Don't build a wall just to peek over. Let people in. Confess sin. James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, because there's healing in confessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reality is all of us, all of us, if we're real, um, there are things that have happened in our past, regrets that we have, things that we have shame about. Um, we all have those things. <laughs> we all have things that have grieved the heart of God. Um, 
And when we sin, there's a good thing that comes from the Holy Spirit called conviction. However, when we don't rightly deal with it, when it becomes a part of our identity, it becomes a part of shame. We internalize it. It's a source of shame, but we have to deal with it. And I would encourage you to deal with it today if you've been walking around with it. In Christ, we can live in freedom with our head held high and with a confidence knowing that you will not be put to shame in the end. So let us strive to make that a reality here and now. Let us strive to live in an innocent delight where we're fully known and fully loved by God and each other. Because that's how we were made, to be fully known, fully loved by God and one another, not to live in shame. So we're going to sing in response in just a moment. And uh, I would encourage you, if you've, um, you you can kind of let your own little area there, you can kind of draw a circle around yourself and, and maybe you need to be real with God and, um, and, and confess and uh, admit and, and talk about things, you know, with God that have happened in your past and you need to release them and let them go and, and receive the forgiveness and healing that is there because there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you need to give those things to God today. Maybe you need to um, confess to one another, like I said in James 5. Maybe you need to grab somebody and just say, hey, will you pray with me? And um, just say, I've been carrying some things around and, and I, need to, I need to let them go. Maybe that's what we need to do today. Or maybe if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, that today would be the day that you would receive for the first time the pronouncement of forgiveness and healing that is found only in Christ. All of these things can be true. And um, in a moment, we're all going to stand, we're going to worship, and I would pray that you would uh, respond in whatever way the Spirit is leading you. We are going to have some prayer partners. If um, you know, if you if you want to come down, we have some just trustworthy people that uh, that you, you can pray with as well. Uh, if, if there's nobody around you that you want to grab, so would you pray with me? And uh, we'll ask the the Spirit to to lead us in response today. Lord, there are all kinds of things that um, we have done in our past pasts that have brought us a lot of pain and a lot of shame. Lord, but we can, um, we can bring those to you today and we can walk in freedom. We can walk with a, a delight and a joy in this life because of what you have done. And I pray that you would restore that joy to us this morning. And if there's anything that's been holding us down, any, um, any chains of shame that have been shackling us down, I pray that by your spirit, you would break them and that we would walk free of them today. You can only do it by the power of your spirit, God. So work now. God, would you help us to sing your praises for what you've done? And I pray that you would lead us all to respond um, in, a, in, in the way that you see fit, Lord. So we give this time to you and we respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.